Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Anna Boyakana, welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Thank you so much for your time. Um, as ever, I'm always excited to talk to anyone that's referred to being an excellent hiring manager. So can't wait to hear more about that. Before we get started, though, of course, I was snooping around your LinkedIn. Um, you have a very interesting career to date. How did you kind of get where you are? And can you talk about your background and... Did you yeah. leave school expecting to do this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey Katrina. Uh, it's really great to meet you today and thanks for having me. Um, so as you mentioned, I have pretty interesting background. Probably my LinkedIn profile doesn't tell that much about it, <laughs> but in general. So I graduated uh, from the Economics University and I was basically a studied strategic management. And uh, I was, I have never been thinking about this kind of tech career when I was a student. So it wasn't that popular that time. So it was more like for computer science students, but not for those probably who are into management. But I was always thinking about leadership positions, not positions. So title wasn't really important for me, but impact that you can make is really important. And it was kind of natural that I was uh, thinking about moving to uh, creating something. And uh, so my first job was actually uh, not connected uh, with this, with tech or with leadership. So I was in finance mm -hmm. and uh, it was a company that was uh, around some investments. So investments, banking. Um, and uh, the, my focus was there on uh, business processes within the company, so how to optimize yeah. them, how to make collaboration more efficient, and probably uh, where uh, I am now, it's kind of connected because it was mm. also about teamwork. So, and then um, I'm thinking that uh, in a couple of years, I've started to notice that I can do more. Yeah. And uh, with my friend, we started a company. Uh, so it's called, it was called Projector. It was an agency, an event agency that was focused on events for digital entrepreneurship, startups. Uh, and we did a lot of um, forums for uh, entrepreneurs and uh, those who want to be them. So for startups. And I think it was a path to learn how digital companies are operating. So we talked to a lot of people. And then uh, one of the most important Milestones for me was yeah. organizing TEDx event. Yeah, so, I saw that in your profile. It, yeah, that, that was amazing because uh, so I, I was invited to help with speakers mm -hmm. and to organize and train them a little bit on logistics, mostly not on public speaking, of course. Yeah. Um, so and I've seen a lot of passion in people who are changing the world. 
And uh, there is so a uh, high bar in organizing the event into bringing the content, which I think completely changed the way how uh, I see uh, the things should be done. And it raised the bar really high. Yeah. They and, do, you have to memorize it and everything, don't you, to speak at TEDx? It's quite serious. I'm not sure I could do it because I'd have to memorize 20 minutes worth of stuff. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd probably say something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that, that that is why it also requires a little bit of training so people who are yeah. speaking feel mm. comfortable yeah and after the first event actually i was organizing four more events and yeah. for me one of the most surprising things was how many people have amazing stories to share and how mm. few of them uh think that it's worth it yeah. so um and after that, so in a year or two, so I start. I, I joined Real Time Board. Uh, yeah. So uh, it the, it is the previous name of Mira. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we were eleven people. So wow, it, it was really a small startup, but with yeah. a big vision. Yeah. Uh, so I did a bunch of stuff. So I I've been into marketing and product management. I was answering support tickets and. I was uh, managing support team for a couple of years, even so when we were small. I was running a marketing organization. So for the last five years, I'm focused on product. And yeah, um, yeah so uh, here I am now. So did you hear about them then when you were doing your events? Is that where you first heard about them or what made you apply? About what, from, real-time board. So, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, um, with the founder, we studied together at the university. Mm. So ah, got basically I joined since day one. Yeah, which is cool. But that's great, doesn't it? It gives you so much more opportunity, that kind of a thing. Um, one of the things we were talking about before we went live and I hit the record button was, of course, what it's like to be women in the world of work and tech. And, you know, you've been a founder and I'm a founder. Um, and we sort of both agreed that at, because of our cultures, it hasn't mattered so much. But I'd love to hear a bit more about like what it's like, you know, growing up in Russia as a woman, it sounds like actually more opportunity potentially than we're giving in the West. So actually, you know, um, I really didn't pay much attention into gender uh, differences yeah. when I was growing up and probably that affected a lot. And of course, the social background is really different. But what I really think, and I do not divide people by gender or by race or by anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's, what's more important than we build the company with this in mind so that it matters what you believe in and it matters what you're doing. And uh, of course, when we started to grow, uh, we've seen a lot of value and opportunity to bring different perspectives to the table, Mm -hmm. which is really amazing. And uh, getting back to your question, so what it feels Mm -hmm. like. So (laughs) it feels amazing, to be honest. So because uh, I'm uh, focused not on let's say, gender-specific. So I'm focused mm. on the work that I'm doing. And I realized that, of course, uh, given the situation in the world in, in general, uh, it, it's really important to say that it's possible. So, yeah. and why it is possible, how it is possible, and also to uh, enable people in general to see different perspectives. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes... Uh, let's say, of course, there are some male-dominated cultures. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can be national culture or company culture. But probably 
uh, the social background is really different and perspective is really mm. different and people just do not realize that uh, there is something that is probably wrong and that can affect different people. And mm. for, for me, I think on the one hand, I'm lucky because I was always surrounded by people who do not make a difference based on your gender, Yeah, uh, which uh, really allowed me to focus on the things that matter. And I think it's mm. totally possible. And also there is a lot of movement in the world and we see a lot of uh, women uh, in leadership positions and a lot of women mm. who are making impact. Um, and how, how it feels, it, it feels really, it feels really great. And of course uh, yeah. we are building the company with a culture uh, that promotes diversity. So mm. that is why probably it's one of the aspects. Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying so much. It's, and you just think what they're missing out on as well. Like just the, you know, diversity of thought, for example, you know, with, uh, with all of that. So what's, what's the plans for your role going forward? Are you staying with product? Obviously, I mean, I would assume you've done quite well as a company because of the pandemic, because everyone went online. I, by the way, love your tools. <laughs> I use them for my facilitation. They're amazing. Um, so late adopter, but love them. But it, what, what's the, what's, what's next steps for the company? Do you, if, if that's of course not confidential. <laughs> Uh, so I, I can cover some things, but not all of them, of course. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, don't give away trade secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, Just in general, what's the hope for your role and where you're headed? Um, so, so, you know, for me, the uh, role is not that important and title is mm. not that important. But if mm. we get back to the company, uh, I yeah. think that the pandemic just helped us accelerate the vision that we always had. So we have a mission to empower teams to create the next big things. Yeah. And uh, we are doing this through creating the solutions for collaboration. Yeah. And this is what we were uh, doing for 10 years already. Yeah. So the company will be 10 years in June. Yeah. Uh, so we, of course, we want to continue to do that. So and mm. uh, we are focused on real-time collaboration and we are thinking about how to give visual collaboration power to the hands of as many people as possible. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is actually the goal. So we will continue to mm. learn how people are working and uh, provide the b- best solutions to uh, support their workflows. I assume, thanks to the pandemic, a lot of barriers have gone down to that though, which must <laughs> help. I mean, it, it's it's I mean, hilarious in the press here at the moment. They're kind of going on about, so this is in the UK. Um, oh, people want to get back to the office. Rah, rah, rah because that suits the government to say that. The rest of us are like, no, we don't want to go back to the office. We're using tools like yours. So has that broken down barriers when you're talking to companies about the tool? Uh, You know... I should call it more than a tool, by the way. (laughs) But you know what I mean. (laughs) The technology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So actually, it's it's very interesting because, of course, a lot of companies learned how to use the technology for collaboration. Mm. But uh, there are new challenges that are coming still. So, uh, for instance, we are so focused let's say, on task-based communication and collaboration. Mm-hmm. And we are planning everything around getting the work done, to be honest. Yeah. So that is why, for instance, for Mira, it's really important how to uh, bring a little bit of engagement and fun into collaboration mm-hmm. space and yep. this human connection. So how do we uh, solve this problem? Mm. And of course, some problems are uh, solvable by the technology, but some are definitely not. So how, for yeah. instance, do you enable uh, human connection? How do you enable serendipity? Mm. Uh, which was happening in the offices and yeah. uh, where the offices are treated like places for connection, not places mm. when you track the work. Uh, so that is why, there, are, of course, there are a lot of barriers that are just uh, moved away 
but there are yeah. a lot of new challenges that we should just recognize and then try to overcome. Yeah, it's certainly very, very different times, isn't it? So, um, of course, you were referred, of course. Um, so <laughs> thank you so much, Alla. Um, she, bless her. I think she's taking over my podcast. She's referring so many great people. I'm loving it. Um, which meant you, you're an exceptional hiring manager. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So what that means to me, so certainly the partnership pace is, you know, working well with the recruiters and investing with time up front, whether they're agency or staffing, I don't really care. Oh, sorry, agency or in-house, I don't care. I never differentiate. What led you to be that way when you're recruiting? Like, why do you invest the time and the effort and the energy and everything else that goes with it? Why do you think it's important? <laughs> Uh, that, that's that's a really great question and one of my favorite topics, to be honest. And thanks for asking this question. I was thinking about how uh, I can share with someone uh, oh, the experience. Yeah, really. Uh, so in general, I believe that there are two things that we are doing as leaders. So for instance, mm-hmm. uh, I have my function. So let's assume that this is a product, but it's, it's general about growing the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another part is growing the team because this is extremely important. And with a great team, you can do uh, almost anything, no matter what the market is and what you are focused on because great talent brings a lot. And this is one mm-hmm. of the most important assets. Even I would say this is the most important one. So uh, definitely, <laughs> th- th- that is why it's basically... <laughs> not recruitment responsibility, uh, not just recruitment responsibility to mm. build the team and to bring great hires on board. So that is why it's a partnership. So it's like, mm. uh, as I'm working in the product, I can share an example, which yeah. is from that life. For instance, if you are building a feature, uh, yeah. you should have somebody who is doing design part. You should have somebody who is coding. You should have somebody who can manipulate with the scope. So uh, mm. And if you are working together, you can do much more. And the same actually is with building the team. So mm. it's a, always a collaboration between hiring manager and between recruiter. And I believe that if you are strong partners, like partners in crime, and you can yeah. do so much more together. And this is kind of yeah. aligning on expectations, uh, deciding who is doing what. And sometimes you can even take uh, your head. So you, I can source people. So yeah. this is also fine. So which makes actually really great progress. Otherwise, it's just not possible because this is not something that uh, recruitment owes you something. No, not really. Uh, Oh, I need to get you in front of so many different hiring managers. (laughs) 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 So you've actually sourced yourself was of that course. like just going through your network? What do you mean, of course? That's rare. (laughs) What made you do that? Or just invested Um, interest, I guess. So, you know, when you are, uh, let's say, um, you're thinking about building something generational, I mean, no matter what mm. it is, product or company, and you're, uh, it's your actually homework to do your research and it's your homework mm-hmm. to understand uh, who am I looking for. Otherwise, it just will be extremely hard to calibrate with mm. recruitment because you need to uh, set the bar so what awesome looks like. So that yeah. is why uh, the initial part of every uh, role that I'm looking for, so it's just uh, find the right profiles of people. Uh, ideally, talk to them. Probably, of course, uh, we will not hire these exact people, but it will set the bar and we will understand who we are looking for. So what profile, what experiences, uh, wow. what traits probably. So rather than just like pull it out of your, <clears throat> I would, you know, 
I'm gesturing, which nobody can see on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but rather than make it up, that's the word I'm looking for. Rather than make it up what you're after, you actually go and do your research and look for profiles. Yeah. So yeah, that you know exactly. what, wow. <laughs> Honestly, that, it's, that doesn't happen. You, you think it would, but it doesn't happen that much. You know, it, it, it comes not just from uh, some kind of silver bullet play. Uh, <laughs> it comes from experience because, mm-hmm. of, of course, it, it didn't happen overnight that I started to do this. But when you yeah. uh, try to hire different people, uh, you understand that it's so much easier if you are doing your homework first <laughs> and then you're calibrating. Yeah. Then uh, just expecting that someone will do the homework because nobody can read mm-hmm. your mind. No, great, but no, it wouldn't be great. It'd be dreadful. Um, <laughs> think of all the crazy thoughts we have going on there most of the time. But yeah, but I mean, yes. Wow, sorry, that, you'd be stunned how impressed I am by that. Um, would that be your piece of advice that you would have for other hiring leaders then? Or is there some other thing that you've learned through your time recruiting that you think hiring managers, you need to know this? Um, so I would say that... Uh, there will be several pieces. So one is treat your recruitment uh, partner as a partner because mm-hmm. you are doing the work together. So which means that you both understand the expectations. You yeah. both understand what you are doing and what you are not doing. Also, you both realign every time when you have some contradictive things. And you mm. have a regular cadence uh, when you are connected because yeah. especially in our case for instance we are in the mode of hyper growth and a lot mm-hmm. of people have different things to do on their plate so that is why you need to set up up front how do you communicate so it, it's one thing another thing is uh do your homework every time yeah. because it's not only about sourcing and actually uh what, what we are doing with my recruitment partners uh for instance we are meeting once in a week mm-hmm. but during this week after we met, we have a homework, both of us. So uh, somebody is talking to candidates. Somebody is probably redoing the take-home test assignment because that mm-hmm. one didn't work. Or uh, we agreed to source candidates or we agreed to open the new position. And then yeah. uh, when everyone brings their homework to the meeting, it, it's much more productive. And of course, uh, if something uh, happens, do not wait yeah. for another meeting to connect because it's a kind of a listening system that you should follow. And if you understand that the candidate is waiting for, let's say, five days, uh, mm. probably the other person is busy. So it's a kind of immediate signaling. And I would suggest to uh, add your recruitment partners uh, in favorites if you're using mm. Slack, So we, which is really yeah. important not to miss any important message. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Cool. There's a juicy takeaway immediately. <laughs> I think most of the time they go like low, I want to avoid them. That's dreadful. But unfortunately it happens, doesn't it? And what about the flip side? So you've said like you you agree together up front. And I've seen a lot of recruiters who feel like they're almost in a, a servitude role, not an equal partner. What tips do you have for them for like approaching it correctly or, you know, demanding partnership almost, if you will? Do you have yeah. any suggestions for them? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I would explicitly ask um, the hiring manager to set the expectations. And mm-hmm. if something is not clear uh, to realign uh, while you both are not agreed on something. Mm-hmm. Another part probably would be to set up a cadence of uh, synchronization themselves, because it's also yeah. a proactive approach. And I believe that there are different hiring managers and somebody worked uh 
let's say for 10 years and somebody uh, first time hiring managers. Mm. So for them, a uh, strong recruitment partner w- would be a great help. Uh, and another piece, so um, I, I would say that there is no situation when everyone, uh, when somebody is not okay and the other person is okay. So this is not healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I mean that if the pipeline is weak, it's not yeah. only a recruitment uh, fail. Uh, it's something that you are both doing, actually. Mm. So that is why uh, I would realign probably with the hiring manager on the uh, grades or expectations or locations or some kind of probably target markets that we are sourcing from. So Yeah, so push back with the data, like what you found out. Again, like the research you mentioned, that kind of a thing. And and proactively uh, share the signals. Because sometimes mm. uh, in recruitment screens, there is a lot of useful information that comes. So, for instance, if people are not ready to work remotely for some reason, mm. it's mm-hmm. imaginary example. But yeah. let's Pre-pandemic. say... Pre-pandemic. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, or probably yeah. even, even now. So yeah. let's imagine yeah. some, some weird examples when people are really not mm. ready to work remotely yeah. and they want to go to the office. Yeah. Or there is something else, so like some specific competence which mm-hmm. is lacking. But there is yeah. no uh, competence in the market. So that is why you need to realign. Probably, yeah. yes, this is a unicorn that you're looking for, but you both should agree that the timeline will be bigger than you expected. Yeah. It sounds like communication all the time. Yeah. But yep. Yeah, communication, proactive. Now, I'm going to keep this shorter than I'd normally keep one of these because I'm very aware <laughs> that you're clock watching because you have managed to squish me in in the middle of an incredibly busy day. Um, so I'm not going to drag another 10 minutes of information out of you, even though I really want to. Um, but I guess I can see you're a bit stressed. Um, if anybody wants to talk to you further, though, can they just come hunt you down on LinkedIn or somewhere like that? Obviously, source you. <laughs> if they've got any questions or is that yeah. the easiest for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And is there anything you really wanted to say that you totally missed? Because I'm like very aware of your time. Um, So I I would say that uh, making hiring a priority is really Mm. important for any hiring manager. Because if you are in this role, this is really honorable role to grow the company. And when you are growing the company, you're optimizing not for those people who are already here, but also for those who will come. So this probably mm-hmm. the next 10 people, 20 or 100. So that is why making hiring a priority means that you spend your time hiring and usually it takes not less than 50%, let's say, uh, of the hiring manager's job. Uh, it means that you are thinking consciously about the culture fit. You are thinking consciously about how teams will be working together and you are optimizing for the future growth, for the future values. So which should be connected with the present values that you have. Mm. So I, I would say if you are a hiring manager, so hiring is your real priority. Yeah, and, it's and I love that, honourable. It's an honour to recruit for the company. I'd not thought of it that way. It really is, isn't it? Thank you so much for all of that. Um, unbelievable. I can't wait to get this out for everyone to hear it. I'm sure you're going to inspire so many people. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you, Katrina, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. 
But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time, thank you. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.